everybody. It's a fine and beautiful midweek Wednesday morning in November. Again, unseasonably warm in November. Uh, it didn't look like it was too cold at that Steeler game the other night. Um, which, you know what? Uh, Steeler fans are tough. You know, they won the game. And they won a game um, after um, winning an emotional uh, divisional game, which doesn't always happen. Right, like when the Bengals beat the Steelers, they went on to a two-game losing streak. Um, the uh, the um, Dallas Cowboys had quite a run, you know, of winning games, but they ran into uh, to Denver, you know, the hungrier team. Um, you know, Dallas had become a little bit spoiled, I think, by all of the press they were getting or whatnot. And then you got um, the biggest example is Buffalo. Um, who had scored the most points and given up the least points in the league, uh, losing to um, to Jacksonville in Jacksonville. And I had mentioned that as you know a game that I thought, if you're getting, getting 14 and a half points, I really like Jacksonville. In fact, I took them at less points. Um, I didn't expect that they would win the game. I thought Buffalo would pull it out, uh, but I thought it was going to be uh, one score game. Um, so I took some... Some bets at seven and a half, and then I took some at uh, 14 and a half. But, I mean, nevertheless, that's just the way it works. But my point is that um, the Pittsburgh Steelers won a game that they could have very well lost. And the Pittsburgh Steelers don't have a ton of talent on that team. They got an aging quarterback who's played well lately, but he's also taken a lot of hits. So, I mean, it's t- time's ticking on him. He's going to have good games and bad games. Um, they have a defense that plays really well at times, um, but they did uh, give up just a ton of yards and a good amount of points um, to Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears in the second half. But the point is that they won, uh, and they did it with special teams, which is what a lot of good teams do. Um, They kicked a bunch of good field goals during the game, and that was enough for them to win the game. Um, There was a lot of penalties against Buffalo, or or against... um, uh, the Bears, that may or may not have swung the game. I mean, the Bears fans claim that um, the game was stolen, but, I mean, that always happens, right? I I mean, I try not to put any uh, coherence into um, fans complaining about the refs because I guess it's just one of the fun things they like to do, you know, because I see it all the time um, in football. I mean, every game, whether it's Pitt, whether it's the Steelers, you know, whether it's another team like Chicago, uh, their fans are always going to complain as if they're getting robbed somehow by the referees on, you know, plays that could go either way. So, I mean, I try not to put too much into that. Um, There was a lot of penalties by the Bears. um, But, you know, it is what it is. They probably committed them. Um, But, you know, the fact that the Steelers win on special teams It's kind of similar to a discussion we were having this week as far as um, Wilmer Defoe. I mean, the guy was a decent pinch hitter. You know, he's got over 2,000 at-bats in the major leagues. And, you know, I wasn't saying that he was any great shakes. Personally, I would have kept him. You know, I mean, I think that you could get him on like a three-year, $5 million deal. Um, He's someone that you're familiar with, someone that the fans like. Someone that pinch hits, someone that plays a lot of different positions. You know, he'll play second base primarily, but you could start him at first. He got some starts at third. 
He got some starts in the corner outfield positions. I mean, he and he got a lot of clutch hits, which that's why he was a fan favorite, not because, you know, they like his warm-up music when he walks out to take his at-bats. I mean, he had some nice moments. Uh, and a lot of people just remember the bad moment when he um, missed the pot fly in the infield <clears throat> and the Cubs that went on to win the game. And the Cubs are one of the... Uh, you know, the rivals in the division, and the Pirates were really hoping they would be better than the Cubs because the Cubs got rid of everybody. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I personally would have kept him, but I was just surprised at the vitriol that I got from, uh, you know, from from people on Twitter. Um, you know, how dare you do that, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, most teams right now are cutting payroll. You know, I get that. The A's have announced that they're cutting payroll. The Reds have announced that they're cutting payroll. Um, Certain teams are um, obviously up to the top of the payroll, like the Yankees and Dodgers, where, you know, they don't want to go much further. Um, They probably want to cut payroll. The Phillies are cutting payroll. I would say most teams in the major leagues are cutting payroll this year because, well, number one, they lost a lot of money in the pandemic. I mean, not just on ticket sales. Um, but they make a lot of money on concessions, you know, beers, food, stuff like that. Even, even um, you know, things people buy at the ballpark. <clears throat> so they lost a lot of money in a lot of ways, you know, and they lost three or four months of the season, basically. So, and they lost the entire 2020 to fans. So, I mean, you got to look at that stuff. Um, baseball is in a weird spot right now. Um, we don't know how the collective bargaining agreement is going to pan out. Um, but as Pittsburgh Pirates fans and Baltimore Orioles fans and, you know, Miami fans and Tampa fans and A's fans and a lot of other teams like the Reds, we're hoping that more revenue goes to the lower payroll teams and that they're forced to spend at least some money on the major league team. Because I have speculated that the Pirates payroll is going to come somewhere in between 30 and 40 million this year. And I'm just basing that on a couple things. Number one, um, Ben Sherrington came out and said that most of the improvement is going to have to come from inside the organization. And number two, you know, all they've done is cut payroll since he's been the general manager of the team. I mean, they could have kept Anderson. Uh, They could have tried to extend him a few years because he was a nice um, starting pitcher. Not an elite starting pitcher, but just a nice guy to have on your team. The Mariners were certainly happy to have him, and the Mariners are talking about possibly um, extending him because Seattle is one of those teams that has a little money to spend, and it looks like they're looking to maybe increase their payroll a little bit while, you know, most teams are uh, shrinking their payroll. Uh, But I got, you know, it it seemed obvious to me that the Defoe thing was just um, a way to cut payroll. You know, I mean, why else would you get rid of Defoe unless you're going to find like a cheaper guy uh, someone from your minor leagues, um, someone like the guy they got from the Yankees who's just a little bit cheaper maybe, you know, less than a million bucks rather than the million five you had to pay um, Defoe or million 1.75. We'll see what he ends up getting. He might even end up getting like two years, four million from somebody. <clears throat> but we know somebody's going to sign him, you know, because he did a good job last year. And a bench is an important part of the team, just like special teams are an important part of a football team. And, you know, if you're going to replace someone like Wilmer Defoe, um, someone like Adam Frazier, someone like Anderson with um, a prospect, 
you know, and I'm probably a mid-level prospect because we know the higher prospects aren't really ready yet, unless you're counting um, Roanzi Contreras as a replacement for Anderson. I could see where you could say he's a higher-level prospect. Um, but other than that, I mean, most of the guys that are coming in are mid-level prospects. I mean, most of the most of the guys competing for the second base job, you know, don't have a lot of major league experience. Uh, we know Rodolfo Castro has some major league experience, and we know Chavis has some major league experience. Um, but a lot of guys like Yoshi or whoever's out there that you might take a look at, they don't have a lot of major league experience. So the less major league experience, the more risk you're going to take. You know, like we took a risk on Philip Evans. We took a risk on um, <clears throat> that other guy that was in the system, got the other Gonzalez, Alex Gonzalez or Eric Gonzalez, um, whoever it might be. But whoever it is, it, you know, if you're putting a mid-level prospect out there, instead of someone who has the back of a baseball card like Wilmer Defoe, you're going to save some money, but you're also taking a risk. Um, the guy they added from the Yankees has some at-bats, you know, so, you know, he might be a decent fourth outfielder. I don't know. But the one thing that we see is that, you know, these guys don't cost you any money. And I think that's what you see with um, with Ben Sherrington so far. <clears throat> His strategy is to go for guys that don't cost any money. <clears throat> and that's my point with the free – there's no reason to think that he's going to sign a lot of free agents you know, especially because he's actually come out and said that he's not going to sign a lot of free agents, that the, um, you know, that the improvement's going to come from within. We all know that they could have kept Adam Frazier, who I think that would have been a great guy to keep just because, like, he's a guy who was in the system for, like, four or five years on the major league team, and every year he was getting better. And this year he finally got good. So you could have rewarded him with like a three-year deal, something like that. He was only, I'm guessing, like 28 years old. So if you give him a three- or four-year deal, you're going to have him through his peak years of age 32. If you give Wilmer Defoe a three-year deal, he's 29, you're going to have him through his peak years of 32. That's what most teams would do. But if you're, if you're a team that's not looking to pay anybody, then you get rid of guys like that, right? Then you don't extend Anderson. Um, instead, you go for guys you might get off the scrap heap, like Dylan Peters, or you go for young guys like Max Kranich, um, or you know somebody better like Roanzi Contreras or um, Michael Burrows or somebody who might be ready down the line. <clears throat> but you know, you know where I'm going. It doesn't look like they're going to spend a lot of money. But when I say that, I know people get angry with me because I'm, you know. They would like to dream, at least until the season starts, that the Pirates are going to sign some, you know, major guys, you know, some $10 million guys to improve the outfield and the, uh, and the starting pitching. I, I don't know. I don't see it. I mean, even the Dodgers, the only guy who was really signed so far was a, um, a reclamation project, a, a pitcher who was on the Yankees last year that gave up just a ton of home runs. Um, and he was just an overrated pitcher last year. Uh, but he does have the ability to come back, which is why the Dodgers are taking a flyer on him for one year. But, you know, you haven't seen any major, like, um, other than um, the Astros did give a pretty nice offer to keep Carlos Correa. Uh, and there's been some nice qualifying offers out there, like one year, $20 million deals. Uh, but, I mean, these guys are gambling, right? They're rolling the dice. Correa is going to roll the dice. 
Um, Trevor's story wasn't really offered much of anything from what I understand. But um, I'm sure they gave him a qualifying offer because, you know, then you get a draft pick. Um, But, yeah, I mean, nobody has really broken the bank. I don't think you're going to see any 10-year deals before the the, uh, CBA comes out. Now, the one thing the CBA could do to really help the game is if they somehow um, take some of that revenue from teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Phillies and the Red Sox and, you know, some of these other teams that have high revenues because they have good TV deals for the most part, um, and then just, like, blend them into the lower revenue teams like the Pirates and the Orioles, you know, teams that don't have the best TV deals. And then you get all the, all the teams in between. But, I mean, if you have, um, if you have a, a CBA that forces teams to spend more money on their payroll, then that's what you're going to see. You know, then you're going to see the Pirates signing somebody. But as of, as of right now, you know, it doesn't seem like they're looking to improve their special teams. You know, they're getting rid of guys like Defoe. Um, they're getting rid of guys like Adam Frazier. They're getting rid of guys like Anderson. And they might continue to get rid of guys. You know, you might see um, Colin Moran gone because they don't want to spend the money on him. Uh, you might see... Chad Cool gone because he's a veteran and you don't want to spend the money on him. And understandably, you could see them getting rid of, rid of Stephen Brault because he's just never healthy. But, I mean, if you run out of payroll of 30 to $40 million, um, the general manager is going to sell you on it as a developmental year. You know, he's going to basically say that, you know, we want to see what these kids can do. And, you know, that's not really improving the product. I mean, guys on Twitter like it because... The guys on Twitter really like prospects. But as far as like most of the fans in Pittsburgh, they want to see um, a, compelling pro- a compelling product that you know, might win more than 60 games or 61 games that they won this year. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point. Again, you know, we're waiting to see what the CBA does, but I haven't seen any evidence um, that they're going to sign some guys, like some veteran guys that would improve the team. And, you know, that's my whole point is you had no reason to, to get rid of Defoe other than, you know, one, there's somebody better out there that you like that's going to cost a little more, but they're going to bring him in to improve the bench. Or two, you just don't feel like paying him the two million bucks or the one point five million bucks that he's going to, you know, he's going to cost. You know, same with Chad Cool. You don't feel like paying him. Now, they haven't said goodbye to Cool yet. We don't know. You know, we got a little bit of time before they um, they start uh, extending qualifying offers and, you know, seeing who they're definitely going to keep. We got a little bit of time. We're going to know more on November 19th. Um, but I, I haven't seen anything that's shown me that this team wants to do anything more than just keep the payroll somewhere around 30 or 40 million. Um, I don't think it's going to be 25 million. But I don't necessarily think it's going to be fifty million either. So we have like a, a, a area where we think the team is going to be, and who are they going to add? I don't know. But I mean, they, kind of by adding a couple guys that were off the scrap heap, uh, the pitcher from Baltimore and the outfielder from the Yankees, it looks like they're going to add guys that don't cost any money, you know. And that's just what it is. And they're going to sell it as a developmental year, and they're going to, you know try to get the money back that they lost in the pandemic. And they're going to try to, you know, market guys like um, O'Neill Cruz um, 
as an exciting young player, you know, to try to sell tickets. And hopefully you sell enough tickets and you sell enough beers that you're going to be able to um, spend more money next year in 2023. But who knows if they're going to spend more money next year. I think it really just depends on the, um, the collective bargaining agreement and what the owners want to do. And if they, you know, if the owners of the Dodgers and the Phillies are running the show or if the owners of, you know, just in general, you know, baseball teams that want more competitive balance are running the show. And, and we'll see what the players want to do as well. Um, the players didn't really like the salary floor for some reason because they felt like it would come with a salary cap and that the highest guys aren't going to get those 10-year, $350 million contracts. But I don't think they're going to get those contracts anyway just because of the money that's been lost. I think the Dodgers obviously went for it payroll-wise. And the Braves signed some guys, you know, even though they weren't um, considered like one of the main contenders for the World Series. And the Padres have signed a lot of guys over the last couple of years. But teams like the Reds that have signed some guys in the past have shown um, have shown that they're going to cut payroll. So I don't know. But I was going to take a look at um, the guy they got from the Yankees. Uh, just, I, I mean, we might as well take a look at what's new, right? And I think, let's see, Yankees, Pirates. Player. Um, the guy that they most recently got was, uh, I don't even see him on, oh, Greg Allen, okay. So we'll take a look into Greg Allen, because a lot of people, um, a lot of things that came up were guys from the trades that have happened. But we know Greg Allen, he is 28 years old, and he's solidly into his 28-year-old season. So basically, he is the same age as Wilmer Defoe. Um, he has played uh, 594 at-bats in the major leagues, whereas Defoe had 2,200 at-bats in the major leagues. So it kind of shows you that they're pretty much the same guy, except that um, Defoe had some pop, and Greg Allen doesn't really have any power um, to speak of. Um, so the nice thing was that Defoe batted 270 last year, and Greg Allen batted 270 last year. And... Um, the Pirates needed an outfielder um, more than they needed an infielder because they feel like they have depth on the infield. So that's why they went with basically Greg Allen over Wilmer Defoe at this point. Plus, he's cheaper. Um, so as far as what he's done in the major leagues, we'll come back to that. But in the minor leagues, um, Greg Allen uh, was pretty mediocre for most of his minor league uh, career. Um, he, uh, he didn't really go off until the Yankees this year. Uh, he had 263 at-bats, and he had um, 13 doubles, five home runs. Um, he had 26 stolen bases, which was really why the Yankees liked him. And he was only caught stealing two times in AAA. So that's really good. Um, he batted 326 in AAA with a 907 ops. So this is a guy that you would call like a helium guy, you know? Even though he, he didn't really um, reach his potential until this last year when he was 28 years old, um, he was originally a sixth-round pick out of San Diego State of the Cleveland Indians, and that was tw uh, eight years ago. So for eight years, he kind of languished through different teams. Um, he bounced around between um, Cleveland 
and San Diego to finally the Yankees. Um, and, you know, he had a couple decent minor league years for Cleveland, and they gave him a couple cups of coffee in the major leagues, but he really didn't do that much. He batted like 230 in the major leagues for Cleveland one year. Um, another year, he did a little bit better. Um, he batted, um, let's see, 257, but there was another year he batted 229. So, I mean, he was generally like a 230, 240 hitter until this year where he, um, he kind of popped up, you know? But he wasn't like a major pop-up guy. He just did a decent job with the Yankees, and he's a cheaper defo. Uh, but, you know, it is exciting when players pop up, and it's interesting to te- see that with what teams do with it. Um, for instance, like White, the, um, the uh, quarterback for the New York Jets, was really interesting. I mean, I thought that was pretty exciting because um, the Jets were not doing anything with the number two pick, right? I mean, they drafted a guy number two overall, so you have to give him a real big chance. Um, but he hadn't done anything. So uh, Mike White was a guy that's in the system. They gave him a start because Joe Flacco uh, wasn't ready. You know, he, he came to the team late. Um, you know, he wasn't too excited to be a Jet. Uh, he was kind of a dick about it. You know, he took, he took his sweet time in getting to the Jets. So they had no choice but to, you know, but to give Mike White a spot start. Well, lo and behold, the offense looked amazing under Mike White for five quarters. One full game, and then the first quarter of the, um, the game last week. And then what happened was he had a little numbness in his hand, so they had to take Mike White out. Um, but, you know, the Jets fans were really excited, and they were also wondering why you know, the offense looked so terrible under Zach Wilson and so terrible under the last guy that they, um, you know, that they sent packing to uh, Carolina and so good under Mike White. Um, now, one thing could be that the defenses weren't prepared for him. Um, a lot of times when you have a quarterback that the defense hasn't prepared for, you know, he comes out and has a good game or two, and then he's exposed. You know, it's kind of like Defoe is exposed, or Phillip Evans is expo- exposed, or, you know, the guy they just got from the Yankees is exposed because, um, you know, they just, he's, he's okay as a spot starter, He's okay on your special teams, but he's just not good enough to be a regular, right? So um, I would think that the Jets would want to give Mike White another start, but I've heard buzzes that if Zach Wilson is ready, they're going to throw him back into the mix because they put a lot of money into him as their number two pick, and they put a lot of hype into him as their number two pick, and they sold a lot of jerseys as their number two pick. So that's why they want to have Zach Wilson out there instead of Mike White. But, I mean, I know that Jets fans, to the man, all want to see what Mike White can do because they've already seen what Zach Wilson can do as a rookie. And why not just let him, you know, carry the clipboard for a couple more weeks until Mike White either fizzles out or he shows that he's a good player, you know? I mean, Tom Brady was on the bench until he wasn't, you know? And obviously, Mike White isn't Tom Brady, but you know my point. Like, guys pop up. And that's the argument of the Pirates fans who say that I'm hating, or at least the Twitter guys, that say that I'm hating on guys like, you know, the mid-level prospects, the 4A guys that are on the, the Pirates. I'm not hating on them. I'm just saying that, you know, 
the devil you know a lot of times is better than you know the guy you bring up from the minor leagues. There's a big downside in giving Philip Evans a lot of at-bats or Hoy Park a lot of at-bats. And we've seen that, right? So we know that um, Defoe was a proven commodity, but the reason they didn't keep him is because they were looking to save some money. And, you know, that just is what it is. I mean, I'm not, you know, I think that the anger, like the vitriol, is that these guys have already hitched their wagon to Ben Sherrington, and they don't want to admit that Ben Sherrington is a part of this cutting cost move because he's done a few shrewd things, right? I mean, a couple of the guys, they weren't all like Kai Tom. You know, he's brought in a couple of decent outfielders like Gamble and like Anthony Alford. And by decent, I mean the guys who look like, you know, you can give them 300 bats in a season and they might hold their own and they don't cost you anything. You know, that, that has worked to a certain extent, but you don't want a whole team of those guys, right? I mean, you would prefer that they kept um, Adam Frazier. You know, you'd prefer that they kept um, Anderson. And you prefer that they kept Defoe just because you know those guys had done something. But they chose not to keep those guys, you know, for whatever reason. They chose not to keep those guys. And the only reason that I can see is, you know, you want to keep your payroll very low. So I don't see them changing that. Like, I haven't seen any evidence that they're going to change that. And then people get mad at me. You know, it's easier to say that Defoe sucked than to admit that Ben Sherrington is just doing this to cut payroll. It's easy to say that you like the prospects that they got back for Adam Frazier than it is to admit that they were just they just didn't want to pay Adam Frazier. You know, it's easy to say that you could flip Anderson, um, even though you didn't get much back for him either, rather than say that, oh, they, you know, um, obvi- what's more obvious, the elephant in the room is that they didn't want to pay him. So why do you think they're going to have this um, sudden boost in payroll? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just living the dream, you know, at least until it doesn't happen, you still have the dream that they're going to sign some exciting $10 million dudes. Um, But that's just not what I see. And you can get mad at me if you want. You know, you can, you know, take shots at me on Twitter that I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's fine. I mean, I don't say that I know any more that I'm talking about than you do. I just have my own opinion. You know, I mean, I've been watching the game for a certain amount of time and I can see what's happening. So, you know, guys like Gary Morgan and I, we throw our opinion out there. You know, guys like the NS9 podcast, you know, we tend to be more skeptical than, I don't know, like some other podcasts that might be out there that might just be like very positive, you know, like the Bucko Fever podcast or um, uh, the Rum Bunter podcast, you know. Guys like that that are just like very optimistic all the time. And until you don't sign somebody, you have the hope that, you know, there's going to be some miracle and the Pirates are going to sign some guy for 10 to $15 million a year. Um, you know, maybe they will down the road, but I think they want to, um, I think they want to see some fans come back first. You know, they're hoping that um, o- O'Neill Cruz is going to bring some fans into the stands and whoever else they hype up you know, as a young gun, um, you know, like Rowanzi Contreras. Hopefully he's going to, and I would go, I would pay money to see Rowanzi Contreras, you know. Um, they're hoping that that will fill the seats and then they'll, you know, they'll boost the payroll a little bit. But, 
until then, it looks like we're just going to see some of these 4A guys get a shot until, you know, one of them hopefully pulls a Mike White, as he did for the Jets. And, you know, you stick with that guy until a Zach Wilson is ready. Um, like a, um, a Zach Wilson would be like your Nick, Nick the Stick Gonzalez or someone like that. But, I mean, basically you are the Jets, you know. I mean, you're basically the Jets of Major League Baseball. Uh, when people think of, when people just think of the worst team in Major League Baseball, usually people, people think of the Pirates, you know. Um, when people think of the worst team in the, um, in the National Football League, they usually think of the Jets. I mean, there's other teams out there like the Baltimore Orioles. Um, there's other teams like the Jets out there, like, um, I don't know, teams that are just always bad. You know what I mean? Um, and and I don't know anybody that's as bad as the Jets, but the Giants lately haven't been very good for like three or four years now, right? So you could throw their name in the hat. But whoever it might be, oh, Atlanta Falcons, you know, they're kind of like that team. But at least the Atlanta Falcons throw a veteran quarterback out there. So, I mean, I don't know that... Um, that you could say the Atlanta Falcons are like as bad as some of these other teams um, that are just throwing rookies out there, like the Orioles and like the um, like the Pirates. I don't think there's anybody as bad as the Orioles or Pirates, even though there's some teams that won less games this year, um, like Arizona. Every once in a while, Arizona will um, will take a shot at free agents, you know, and make a run. Um, so you know, I think that. The Orioles and the Pirates have been the most consistent teams at keeping their payroll close to zero. Um, Because even when uh, Miami and Tampa Bay, um, even though they don't have much revenue, when they've been ready to make their runs, they've shown a propensity to keep their guys and to maybe sign some other guys on short-term contracts to go for it. And the Pirates haven't really done that since 2013, 2014, you know. Um, So it's been a while. So that's why I'm more apt to go with the elephant of the room, which means like they're not going to raise their payroll, than the hope that they will raise their payroll. In my opinion, the only way the Pirates are going to raise their payroll is if they're forced to by the collective bargaining agreement. I'm really hoping that happens because when you have a team like the Pirates and you have a team like the Orioles and you have other teams in baseball that have five or six times the payroll, it's just not that much fun, you know, especially covering a team like the Pirates. Or I have friends that are covering the Orioles. Um, and it's just like, it's not as much fun if you're only winning 50 to 60 games a year. You know, it'd be more fun if the, the playing field was a little more level, you know. So that's why I give Charrington more of a C when other guys give him an A+. Plus because that's who they hitch their horse to. I mean, they're hoping, um, they might be living in an alternate reality, but they're hoping, you know, that all these prospects pan out. And they're hoping that Ben Sherrington is going to be a hero and is going to be riding on that World Series float, you know, four or five years from now. And we'll see what happens. But I think more of it is based on the collective bargaining agreement than is based on um, what uh, Pirates ownership is willing to do unless they're forced to do it. So, I mean, hey, that's your, that's your midweek. That's what's going on in Twitter. You know, that's what's going on all over. People are arguing about what's going to happen um, on November 19th. And we really don't know, but we only have another week and a half. So it's kind of fun that we get to look forward to that, right? And, you know, you should look forward to things. It's going to be a beautiful um, season, you know, as we get closer to winter. 
And winter is going to be a fun season because you get to see those snowfalls. And it's a very unique time where you spend a lot of time indoors with your family over Thanksgiving and over Christmas and times like that, you know. You get to maybe go out for Valentine's Day dinner. Um, but you get to spend a lot of times indoors with your kids and with your spouses, you know. So, I mean, enjoy the seasons as they change. And we'll see what happens as we get closer to November 19th. But, you know, we love you. Um, we hope that you're enjoying your life and just, you know, living in the moment and just, you know, prioritizing your life um, into things that will make you happy. So, peace out.